Hey, what's up guys? It's Donovan here. Today is Saturday, August 24th. It's 1.06 p.m. And this is not a regular episode of Salt of the Streets. This is an audio blog post. It's been a while. Colin did the last one. He did the last couple audio blog posts. This is the first one that I've done in a long time. As you can imagine, with a newborn child in the house who is now learning to speak, he says, Dada, like a mother, it is difficult to find time and the ability to record something because this often takes me a long time. I have to cut a lot of stuff out because I'm not very good at, uh, at, at just this particular part of what we're doing. So it takes me a couple of tries. So what I have here today is the audio version of the blog post that I put out last week, which is entitled The Dehumanization of the Opposition. And I may provide, you know, as we usually do, I may drop a couple of side notes here and there uh, along the way. But for the most part, this is just going to be the audio version so that you guys have a little bit of something you can listen to on the way to work or when you just need a little taste of salt of the streets. So without any more waiting, here is the dehumanization of the opposition. The intense partisan divide in this country along political lines is frequently discussed and attributed to various different causes. Especially in the case of the recent El Paso shooting, the cause is often stated to be the president, the NRA, any number of different groups or individuals, and can change depending on the issue at hand. While many people were thrust into thoughts of legislation and reform after the El Paso shooting, I was lost in thoughts of division and how exactly we got here. I'll be honest right now, the president didn't cause the El Paso shooting. No one but the shooter was at the cause of that. But it's the shifting of narratives and overly bold language that so greatly muddies the waters of truth and allows people to so easily feel secure in their arguments. That security is further solidified by the instant dismissal of other views and opinions through use of oversimplification and claims that the other side is essentially shilling for their cause. It's this insane rhetoric, I believe, that has gotten us to this place of such drastic division. Some common examples that are shared are that pro-lifers want to take away women's right to choose and the pro-choicers are baby killers, or that Second Amendment advocates are just worried about their guns and not the safety of others, and that gun control advocates just want to take everyone's guns away. None of these things are completely true, and the longer we block ourselves from even considering that there is a real person with real opinions on the other end of that argument, we are doomed to this culture of division and dismissal and will be lost in a world of vetoes and filibusters. In reality... Those that are pro-life generally consider abortion to be murder. Regardless of the legitimacy anyone feels in that argument, for many it is a matter of morals and for some a moral cornerstone that abortion is wrong because it is murder. Those that are pro-choice genuinely feel that it is a woman's right to make whatever decision they want with their body and it should be fettered by no one, especially a man. Do you really think either of these groups of people are going to easily change their mind? The answer is no. In reality, Second Amendment advocates have a plethora of reasons that gun ownership is vital to a well-functioning society and that any infringement would be detrimental to the ability of the public to keep their government in check, as is their constitutional duty. Those that are gun control advocates, however educated or uneducated on guns they are, are scared. They are scared for their lives and the lives of their children, and for whatever reason, however they arrived at this conclusion, believe that moderation of access to firearms will solve that problem. It is unreasonable to believe that either of those groups would change their minds easily. We as a society and as a country must be able to take a step back and recognize and respect that the person we are arguing with, be it on the internet or in real life, is an actual person, not just a walking talking point to make you upset. The same way you don't want to be forced into anything, those that don't agree with you don't want to be forced either. With the way our media and social media is running, we are teaching our youth to hold extreme ideological positions with little to no evidence and no desire to receive any, because all that matters is owning the libs or punching Nazis. 
Well, what you think are liberals are actually progressives, a small faction of a once great democratic party that, in my opinion, will lead to the destruction of the party if left unchecked. And what you are calling Nazis are actually far-right idiots and white supremacists, an equally small faction amongst a once-great Republican Party that, in my opinion, left unchecked by leadership and executive, will ruin the fragile image that party has with the next generation. If we cannot even care to understand the differences that separate us into those worth listening to and those that should be ignored, then we stand no chance of identifying that which draws us together and provides us the hope to compromise for the good of this great country. Far-left Marxist ideals and far-right nationalism have nothing legitimate to offer this country and should be ignored. Those who lie between have at least some semblance of hope or new ideas that stand to possibly benefit the world and country we live in, and they should be understood for their value before simply being dismissed on the count of opposition to your own ideals. It is this intensely partisan outlook that places people like Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson, and Dave Rubin in the realm of the far-right in the opinion of modern media, and the hatred for their perceived views, not even their actual views, are enough to deter most people from even googling their name to hear the words out of the person's own mouth. We have discussed time and time again the vital lessons that people like Dr. Peterson stand to teach us, lessons that if ignored, doom us to make the same mistakes of other countries in the past in the form of Marxism or fascism. It is the ignorance of these lessons that places us in danger of repeating history, for we will have chosen not to learn from it. So there it is. That's the audio version of my blog post for this week, the dehumanization of the opposition. I didn't have any side notes in the middle or anything like that, but I have a little bit right now. Uh, I really hope that you guys enjoyed this week's blog post because I, I really felt strongly about this one. I really do feel, and it's something that I think about consistently, that one of the biggest problems we have amongst, you know, just our political... Uh, what are you, the, the body, everyone that's involved in it, the citizens, the... the uh, the representatives, congressmen, you know, everything. One of the biggest issues that we have is an unwillingness to understand or recognize that there is a person on the other side of the argument. And that makes it so easy to dismiss someone. Uh, and I think that that's a grave mistake that everyone can make. I mean, certainly I, I used to make that mistake all the time. It's, it's only with the tool of objectivity that we're able to take a step back and think about the reasons why somebody might actually hold that opinion, you know? And unless you're doing that, it's, it's really, really hard to, to give any type of legitimacy to another argument. I think that most people who listen to that, to this show, um, don't have that problem as often. You know, I think that part of this whole show, like, like I just talked about, is objectivity. And I think that we do a pretty good job of explaining things on all sides and trying to force people into objectivity and, you know, sometimes making people a little bit uncomfortable with what we have to say. But the truth will make you uncomfortable. That's that's how it's going to happen. Um, I just got asked by my neighbor last week. I dropped a shirt off to him. Shout out, John. Um, and he was asking me where I lied on the political spectrum. So he said he was trying to figure it out and he was having a really hard time, but that it seemed like I was really very moderate, you know? And in modern day, uh, a, a moderate is a hard thing to find. And so I pride myself on my, not neutrality, but my, you know, my being a moderate. I, I find a lot of pride in that, that I can be someone who hugely supports the Second Amendment and then also hugely supports... Uh, you know, what they call entitlement programs, because generally those things uh, don't exist in the same person, at least the way that people view, you know, the modern parties and how extreme they're both perceived to be. Um, 
So those may be two poor examples, but like I said, I do pride myself on that. I'm rambling here, so I'm just going to go ahead and get off the blog post. But I just want to thank everybody again for checking it out. Um, Thank you again for listening. My name is Donovan. This has been our Salt of the Streets audio blog post. You can find all of our audio blog posts and our podcast anywhere that you can find a podcast. You can find my personal social media at Salt of the Street on Twitter or at alpaca underscore Donovan on Instagram. You can find Colin at Big Bird Offie on both of those things. We have our Salt of the Streets Instagram at Salt of the Streets, our YouTube at Salt of the Streets, our Facebook at Salt of the Streets. You can also find all this on saltofthestreets.com. Leave us a comment. If you want a t-shirt, hit us up and we will get it for you. I got all the sizes. I'll bring it to you. I'll mail it to you. Mailed out the first one a couple weeks ago. It was awesome. Thank you again. Have a great week.